Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host Luke Mackay. How are you doing, Luke? I'm doing very well. I am here with my own free will and volition, and I am absolutely not being extorted at all to do this podcast. How is that your new intro? I did not know that that's what you were going to say. Uh, look, you can't do this. I, well, actually, no, I like your little curveball introductions you like to throw me sometimes. <laughs> Spices yes. it up a bit. Curveball, I am not reading off of cue cards held by a masked man. <laughs> Listen, as long as they're wearing a mask, look. <laughs> Commentary. Social exactly. This is a this is a high satire podcast. <laughs> but how have you been? How have you been this last week? Yeah, it's been uh all right. Come not actually been terribly busy this week. It's gone in rather quickly. Uh, it's pretty much just one of your bulk standard lockdown weeks where not much really happens. I suppose what I what I should actually say is these last two weeks because uh we had a, a little um, unplanned break uh, mm. la- last week. Um, a break for the for the listeners, not for us. Uh, last week, some of you may have seen on our socials, uh, we recorded an episode. It was a great episode. I loved it. We did a, a quiz. Well, a couple of quizzes, actually. We talked about some hilarious news. Um, and we sadly lost the entire recording. Uh, but that's, those are, you know, the, the teething stages of, of a podcast. We've got a new setup this week and uh, we're we're happy to be back. But yes, a well-earned break for the listener, if not us. Yeah, uh, but you've had your break, you've had your rest, now you're back to listening to this podcast. And don't you forget your place. Exactly. The You know, the break was to prepare you for what could only be a harder series of weeks of listening, you know? <laughs> um you've had a rest and now we are in the i was gonna say the final sprint but i don't know what the end goal is so it doesn't end we're like it doesn't um, end it's it's the final sprint for forever we're like coronation street this we'll just keep going forever like even if it's not us like 60 years down the line where maybe we'll still be alive on there but we'll retire by then this will be a new podcast will be like triggers brush from only fools and horses the same mm. podcast even though the constituent parts change yeah like the like the sugar babes yes that is that is a perfect analogy um news of the week we have uh some some big trailers this week but before we get into that and um, we have a couple of little bits and pieces we had couple of announcements um danny elfman will be scoring the doctor strange 2 multiverse of madness movie um which is cool that's danny elfman's a great composer he's scored lots of uh creepy movies so that's that sounds good um sam raimi is directing that and him and danny elfman worked on the spider-man movies as well so uh, i think that's cool that's a cool get not massive news but yeah i like danny elfman's stuff I mean, this is going to sound weird, but what concerns me is every part of this movie is shaping up for it to be an absolute slam dunk. Great director, great score, introducing the multiverse, great cast. Yeah. Which almost makes me worried. Like, can you have something that's almost too much of a sure thing? Like, it feels like it's... 
like the expectation for this movie is just skyrocketing with every piece of information about it. I suppose that is true. I mean, some of my favorite movies or favorite uh, movie watching experiences rather are nearly always movies that I have no expectations for. So I suppose yeah. the there is a worry of the opposite being true for certain things. I had that same thought with the more sort of uh, whether it's rumors or actual announcements coming out about the new Spider-Man movie as well. Uh, you know, about yeah. bringing in the other actors from some of the old movies and bringing back characters and things. And, and I'm sort of, part of me is is worrying that it's like, you're setting up a lot of stuff here that, not that I don't think you could pull it off, but um, it it w- would worry me a bit, you know? It's not like going to see an indie movie that you're just going for, you know, just see what it's like and then it blows you out of the water, you know? These are, these are a big deal at this point. Yeah, I tell you what, though, I'd love since it's Sam Raimi and it's the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Ash, even if it's just the cameo of Ash from the Evil Dead, made an appearance, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like you know it's the sort of thing that could happen. To be fair, yeah, exactly. I, I think, uh, I think it's a waste of a multiverse movie if you don't throw in some little jokes and cameos and stuff. You know, you you may as well. I feel like it's it's wasting it if you just only do straight bored like boring just this is exactly what another universe is being like at the minute you know throw in like weird cartoon worlds and you know uh like you say ash from the evil dead and like just random stuff that's what i want to see in a multiverse movie especially multiverse of madness like you want to see some crazy stuff in that yeah no i mean i think you know um he's not it's not like he is part He's a superhero per se, but you know, you'd actually see Ash working as part of the um the MCU, like not as a movie or anything or in any of the big things, but like sort of like a Disney Plus Ash series would be really cool. Yeah. I know, I know there was Ash versus the Evil Dead on Netflix a while ago. Um I've I've never I've been meaning to watch that, but I've never have. I just think yeah. you know that's the sort of thing that would be cool. Definitely. Um, no, I think there's there's so many great opportunities there. And in all fairness, I've not seen that much to come out about that plot-wise yet at all. So um I, I think it's yeah, as you say, it's 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 setting up to be a slam dunk. So I but I, you know, Marvel has earned my trust at this point, so I, yeah. I wouldn't I'm not going to be too apprehensive. Um, mm-hmm. Another Marvel announcement. We sort of knew this was happening, but they just gave it an official title. They are on Disney Plus having a sort of not recurring, sort of semi-recurring series, Marvel's Assembled. And it's basically just going to be a series of uh, making ofs. So every time a new series or a new movie gets released, they'll release a making of episode of Assembled, which I really like. I knew they were doing these making of series, but I like that it's it's one sort of contained thing. So as soon as WandaVision finishes, we're going to get the making of WandaVision and similarly with like Black Widow and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, all those things as they come out. Um, and I really like that idea. I think it's a nice, because I saw a lot of people were sort of saying when this came out, they were glad to see this because as streaming becomes more and more popular, we sort of lose the idea of like special features or bonus features that you yeah. have on yeah. the, 
on a DVD or a collectible sort of Blu-ray or whatever. Um, so I, I like this idea to compensate for that because that is something that it's a, it would be a shame to lose out on. My, I, I'm just going to be honest. I probably, I think it's a cool idea, but sort of behind the scenes stuff, strangely, it's just, I've never gotten into it. But what I was going to say, it's my favourite bonus feature in any film's DVD ever is um, Shrek 2's uh, Far, yes. Far Away Idol. <laughs> Absolutely. With, with all the songs and you had to pick the winner and there'd be yeah. like Simon Kyle. And if you picked the wrong one, he made himself the winner. Like, yeah, it was, I, it was a- Effectively, like a choose your own adventure sort of yeah. Uh, yeah. DVD Absolute, bonus feature. Absolutely, by far away, my favorite was Prince Charming's "Too Sexy for My Shirt." Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you pick that, it didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shrek Two is actually going to come up later in the in our topic for this week, so we'll come mm-hmm. back to it. Um, but yeah, last announcement. Um, they're making a Netflix series. Uh, Tim Burton, I think. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Wednesday Adams solo series. So Wednesday Adams, obviously from the Adams family, and it, it's going to be her as a sort of young adult, I think, mystery type show. Her solving different mysteries or whatever as she goes through um, school? Question mark. I'm not really sure exactly. Mm. I don't know if much has been announced other than uh, Tim Burton and Wednesday Adams, but I, I think that's a cool enough idea. I'm not like a massive Adams family guy to be honest. And Tim Burton, I sort of come and go on. You know, I think he's some hits, some misses. Sometimes that well, tone suits a, a movie and sometimes it doesn't, you know. Well, when he gets the creative freedom, he usually gets it, right? It's more ones yeah. where he's sort of beholden to a studio, which where it's not as good. I mean, in terms of ones that he's been at the helm on, the only one that probably hasn't gone right is um, Dark Shadows. I thought it was pretty much okay but I mean it wasn't up to a standard but I mean if you look what he has done uh sort of just on his own steam he did the original Batman from yeah. 86 I'm not, say, I'm not actually 100% no nine late 80s we'll say I don't I was gonna say I don't really know the exact year but I mean he done that uh he did most people think he directed nine. The nightmare before Christmas, but he didn't. No, actually. He didn't. No, he he yeah. wrote the poem. It was based on. Is yeah. That right. Yeah. Or it was something like that. I think it might have been something the executive from the film. Yeah. Um. But I think it was pitched as from the mind of Tim Burton. Yeah, that's uh, that's always one of my uh little um cinema facts. It's a good wee trivia fact to have. I remember someone uh falling out with me on a a Zoom quiz. Um, for that because I got that question right and everyone else had Tim Burton written down and someone was absolutely livid they were like there's no way that's not a Tim Burton one and uh, we almost had a little falling out over it but I was correct so all, all's yeah. well that ends well <laughs> yeah Be- it did Beetlejuice mm-hmm. anyway no I'm just listening uh, so it doesn't matter <laughs> but I think if he is given his own creative freedom to do what he wants and I mean, the Adams family is pretty much a perfect fit for him. Yeah, I would have to imagine it'll be it'll be half decent at least. Yeah, I and I think we were saying in another episode, um, that Netflix have definitely proven their worth now with their original stuff as well. So it's definitely, uh, there's precedent for this to be good. I think Tim Burton definitely, yeah, what he does, 
but as you say when he has control and stuff he definitely does well it's maybe just not my particular favorite tone anyway maybe that's the thing that I don't really love but um yeah when he does good movies he makes good movies you know I can't deny that although <laughs> uh, if this comes out and you enjoy it uh, don't get too attached to it because Netflix will cancel it after three yeah, series of course of course uh, at least with this it's justifiable because if if Wednesday Adams is playing a young adult you know three seasons of three years of high school or whatever that makes sense you know these are that's justified to end at least um but other big news of the week uh, we had three big trailers this week so we can get into these a little bit some more than others and um, we'll start off with the Mortal Kombat trailer I'm sure a lot of people have seen this uh look did you have some thoughts on this I did Oh, I mean, this is this is we're really in my bread and butter now. I love the Mortal Kombat games. Um, I mean, I I assume most people know what they are, but if, if you don't, basically, it's about sim. The games are about as simple as you can get. Basically, uh, well, actually, the the lore gets increasingly complicated, but the base idea is simple: two fighters fight to the death, uh, and once you beat your opponent, you perform what's known as a fatality, which is an incredibly violent finishing move, just to give you an idea uh, of one uh, Scorpion, who is the fire ninja in the original Mortal Kombat game. One of his fatalities was to jab out at someone's throat and rip their spine out. So it means stuff like that. It's incredibly entertaining, but incredibly gruesome. So, yeah. uh, Yes, it's a trailer. it's a game it's a game that sort of uh, it was it was famed because of its violence when it came out, but mm-hmm. at least when it came out, it was still relatively you know pixely graphics and that sort of thing. But obviously, uh, as it was so popular, its gruesomeness and violence has stayed throughout. It's been a consistency, but graphics have improved and improved to the point where in the more recent games, it is just horrendously violent and gruesome very like visceral fatalities uh, in those games it is very cool but yeah it's not um it's not exactly the most earnest (laughs) of storylines or games it is as you say very much uh a a simple form of just two people fighting and uh really getting a punch up going Um, so what about the movie though this this trailer um Plot seems, um, plot seems to be based on the original Mortal Kombat game, which was, uh, so there's like nine realms in Mortal Kombat, and each and each realm sends a fighter to the Mortal Kombat tournament. So base that was like the plot of the first ones, the first game. So this movie seems to be based on that plot. Plot doesn't really matter. What matters is the action looks so yeah. cool in the trailer and it looks like it's not going to be watered down uh yeah I mean, the trailer features sub-zero who's the ice ninja uh freezing off one of the other characters arms and smashing them yeah it's um, <laughs> no it's so, there's there's some stuff that looks very cool in it i i would i don't know if it looks amazing to me to be honest but it looks like it could be good and that's all we need uh you know there is there's a famous sort of theory that it's impossible to make a good video game movie uh you know to make a, a an actually 
good, like undeniably decent movie based on a video game. Uh, and I think there's a lot of movies that speak to that. Um, some some have come relatively close. Uh, I thought the Sonic movie was pretty decent for what it was. Um, Detective Pikachu. Some people say the Tomb the Tomb Raider movie was good. Detective Pikachu. I would say that's maybe borderline. <laughs> Uh, whether you could say that's properly based on a video game or not. Um, of course, there's like the Pokemon anime is so massive as well. So that's, um, there's there's some gray area, but yeah, I think we're yet to have one definitive, like undeniable, no, this was a good movie based on a video game. And I don't know why that is, if it's like a curse or something, but this, do you think well, this could do it? I mean, I don't think it's going to, it depends what you want. I think it's going to, from the likes of things, have some really cool martial arts violence and action, which is what I want. I don't think it's going to be a Shakespearean level story. So I would readjust your expectations. It's not going to. I imagine this, it will very much be the movie equivalent of what the video game is. Yeah. So I suppose that's all you can really expect. But like, I mean, movies kind of success like that. Everyone loves Pacific Rim and its stories. Basically, its story basically boils down to big robots beat the crap out of big monsters. Yeah, I actually I love Pacific Rim, so fair enough. Your argument stands. Yeah. So I mean, as long as they, <laughs> as long as they say all the stuff like finish him, fatality, and. Yeah. Oh, actually, I, I, the best part about the trailer wasn't actually the violence. It was Keanu's. I can't remember what he said. The Australian guy says, I uh, just says something that's really funny. <laughs> I, uh, I yes, think it's we over. of course see, uh, see his, what I assume is a, a fatality. Well, it'd be impressive if it wasn't. Uh, of course, this is only in the trailer. He grabs someone's heart out of their, out of their chest. Um, so that's sort of the and it like remains beaten in his hand. So that's that's what you can sort of expect going into this movie or game. Um, yeah. I think and that, that shit was the tone pretty well. That shit was in Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. That was only like a twelve. True, true. Um, <laughs> it away with so much in those movies. Yeah, like, yeah, kids. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, sometimes funny looking back at movies and being like. You can just you could just do that. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair I those those still hold up so well. I think just for pure cinema, you can't get much better than uh, sticking on the Indiana Jones films. Oh yeah, well, definitely. All three of them. Three and no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The three Indiana Jones films that exist <laughs> in my head. Um but yeah, we had a couple more trailers. We had uh, a movie we actually talked about uh, in our first episode in our upcoming movies of 2021, uh, the Cruella trailer. This, of course, being the Cruella Deville 101 Dalmatians prequel movie along the lines of your Maleficence and those sorts of things. Um, we get to see the origins, the gritty, grimy, realistic origins of Cruella Deville. Um, look, did you watch that trailer? Yes, and I would actually like to say I think I owe an apology because in our first, I think it was our first episode because we were talking about movies. I believe it was, I, yeah. I said that I was completely uninterested in this movie. I believe I now owe the makers an apology because after <laughs> watching the trailer, I actually am really quite excited about this. I think this is the potential to be very good. 
Oh, really? Uh, Interesting, because yeah. I'm rather, I've sort of gone the opposite direction. Um, not so much based on the trailer, to be fair. The trailer didn't really change my opinion on it at all. I had the same opinion before and after. I think it, I, I honestly, I think it looks like a good movie insofar as it, it looks like there's going to be some really great performances, some beautiful set and, and shots just from what we saw in the trailer, interesting storylines. But I spent the entire time, and I think I think you said this, look, um, but I spent the whole trailer just saying in my head, this is a woman whose entire character in the 101 Dalmatians movie is driven by the fact that she wants to kill a hundred puppies. That's her <laughs> motivation, you know? And I, that's a hard thing to unsee when you watch this trailer to be like, yeah, no, I can get behind her as a cool anti-hero. And I know there's anti-heroes who murder people, well, not, but that's easier to get behind than puppies. Do you not, do you not think it's going to be more like uh, Joker or it feels weird to compare it to this, but like Taxi Driver and the they're not even an anti-hero. They're just right, like it's more about watching her her descent into be, villainy. It's, yeah, it's like it's good to be bad. I, maybe, I, maybe. I, I, I can check from it though. I think I mentioned this. This is just it is incredibly hard for me to watch this and not think this should have been Helena Bonham Carter as Cruella yeah. Phil. It's like it's just the most perfect casting. It, it's like it this, this is like a role that feels like it was written for Helena Bonham yeah, Carter. Like, in the original movie, you know, before Helena Bonham Carter, well, maybe she was an actress at the time, but before she was, you know, known for being that role, it still feels like it was her role, you know, she was destined to play it. Um, <laughs> but I think Emma Stone looks great in this as well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it, definitely. But I think, as you say, that's going to be hard to shake. I think the dog killing thing pretty hard to shake, and uh, also I don't know. It feels so like a parody, almost in a sense, like it's a you know like that Oscar the Grouch SNL parody of the Joker movie and stuff. Like mm -hmm. it feels like this is making fun of movies like Joker. I don't I don't know. I it's not. Oh, I, I never really like those sorts of movies anyway. These these gritty reboots, and I think I really thought we were sort of getting out of but that I, that fees, you know. I didn't get the feeling watching it was going to be entirely gritty. I sort of thought it's being played a bit sort of camp almost. It's like camp mm -hmm. campy darkness. It's like it's <laughs> maybe more like uh well no beetle beetle just a straight comedy but maybe something more along those lines like yeah, almost like your like, your Tim Burton Batman and stuff, yeah, you know, that yeah, we were talking about. Um, kind of tongue yeah. in cheek rather than being play, than playing at hundred percent straight. I think I think if they've done what I've suspected and sort of like just someone reveling in their villainy and playing at a camp, I think it could be very good. I, I think it's the sort of one that you sort of have to watch it to know. Yeah, true. I think yeah, it, it's um yeah, the trailer doesn't really reveal much. It's going to be a, a whole story that you have to watch and sort of see it play through. So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to watch it. You know, there's no denying. Um, but uh, even if it's bad, I, I'm not a big 101 Dalmatians fan anyway, so it's not going to ruin 
it's not going to ruin that for me at all. I'm not a massive fan of that movie, so I'm I'm happy to watch this. I'm not too um not putting too much pressure on it at all. I think it could be fun. At least at least feels different rather than yeah uh, the hundred and first remake. <laughs> True, yeah, another definitely. movie by Disney. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. I, I, yeah, I think just it, it's nice to see different directions and stuff with those characters. So we'll see see how it plays out. And that, of course, leads to the last trailer that came out this week. Look, um, the curse of this podcast that we we never set out to do this. We it was never our intention to talk about Justice League every week. However even including the podcast last week that never got released, the Lost podcast, even in that, we have spoken about Justice League every single week. And right when we thought we had no Justice League news, bam, they drop the Justice League trailer. Zack Snyder's Justice League got an official trailer this week. Look, what did you think? I mean, I'll tell you what, basically I've got three main thoughts on this. The first is, the trailer looks decent. The trailer doesn't look bad. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to, don't, I don't have a grudge against the movie. I just think it's funny to rip the piss out of that. If it was I sort good, of have a grudge against it at this point. But, well, yeah, I'm going to have to watch this movie. I would rather it's good. Okay, so that's my yes. first thought. My second thought is, however, though, this trailer is basically all new footage. All footage that was deleted or edited out or new. So that's fine. That stuff looks good. But they still have to include the the, the whatever it was, like, uh, I can't even remember. It wasn't actually a very long movie, was it? The original ones, maybe like two hours or something. They still have uh, to include... Right. The... Yeah. They still have to include those two hours. Those two hours aren't going... They haven't been reshot. They're not going to be better. Yeah. that That's my problem with it. We might just get a movie now that's got two good hours and two bad hours. Two bad hours is still far too much, too long to be a good movie. That's my problem with it. And my third part problem with it is, you know the bit in The Simpsons where Bart gets the catchphrase and there's the bit in the classroom where they go, say the line, Bart. And he says it and looks depressed. But you can change yes, that now yeah. to, say the line, Jared. Because he <laughs> said we live in a society in the actual official trailer. Yeah, they must have put that in as a bit of a joke, though, surely. I refuse to believe that wasn't on purpose. Like, Yeah, there's no way along the line. In, like, this is good script writing without being like, no, 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 this is a joke. It kind, of, it kind of is gone from sort of like, I saw someone describe his look in Suicide Squad as, uh, and I presume what his original look was in that movie. I assume someone described it as the cashier at Hot Topic. <laughs> uh, I mean, he looks more like a Joker now, but he, now also kind of with his current clothes looks like somewhere half between a waiter at an expensive restaurant and someone who's saying, "It's not a phase, mom." Yeah, I, I, I think I mean sh- someone's definitely already made this meme, but I like the idea of the like you know that uh, how it started versus how it's going meme. Yeah. That's that's what I like. Uh, how I like to imagine the Suicide Squad. Jared Leto Joker versus the the new Justice League one. Um, it does look like Jared Leto's Suicide Squad Joker has spent a year in lockdown. That's sort of what <laughs> the vibes that it gives me. Um, 
Yeah, I'll tell you my my thoughts watching this this trailer and maybe I have a bad habit of this. Now I'm talking about this right after the Cruella trailer. Maybe I have a bad habit of like only being able to focus on one thing in a trailer. First thing I noticed, I mean, I noticed this in the last trailer, but I thought it was an artistic choice. Um, is this whole movie going to be a, in a square like that? In that weird, uh, like, what is that? Three, three by three? I don't know. Is it bigger than that? That mad? It's just a square. The old, the old, the old aspect ratio was uh, four colon, colon three. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I really hate that with the big black I mean, bars I, on the side. I, on the aspect ratio. I assume it's for the trailers like that for mo- to watch on mobile devices. Right. I mean, most most films go for the aspect ratio that leaves a bar, the, the black bars at the top and bottom. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, yeah, I I don't know. I did see I did see a breakdown of it, it showed the different aspect ratios and it did make sense, but I I just it also worried me slightly that this is maybe what we're gonna get, and I maybe that's maybe it won't bother me in the movie at all, and it's just a weird thing in the trailers, but. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see if they keep that aspect ratio or not because there, there's, there's no be camera. There's no camera that is going to be used on production like that. They'll give you an aspect ratio like that. Yeah, I also think whilst they've not reshot scenes, I think they've CGI'd a lot of stuff. It kind of even looked like the buildings they were in were CGI'd. Yeah, definitely, and I think that was that was definitely a problem for me in with the first Justice League movie that I watched half of. Um, but that was definitely an issue with that movie was that nothing felt real in it you know everything felt like sets or green screen and I yeah that that would be a hard thing to fix in this movie I feel like that's that's going to be a yeah an issue throughout I mean this is something that is something that I I agree with you has irked me from most of the new DC uh movies they they do CGI way too many too much stuff I think if, I mean, looking at the gritty, dark stuff, surely you want to make it look as realistic as possible, so that means yeah. minimal CGI. I, I, I mean, I think the three Dark Knight movies, I mean, there might there was there was definitely some CGI, but was minimal. Like, I mean... Uh, yeah, and being, like, go, making an effort to not have to CGI things so that it felt yeah. real, and, you know, when you punch a person and they fall over it looks like you punch them. It doesn't look like you're hitting a green yeah. tennis ball and then they've CGI'd a, a parademon over it or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of like, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of the problem you go from a director like Christopher Nolan, who's like old school filmmaking to uh, Zack Snyder. who's like, who I, I'm not going to give him shit for liking CGI. I mean, some of the yeah. movies you use CGI for have worked really well, like 300. Definitely. I gave it a real comic book effect, having all that CGI, and it worked really well. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Watchmen, but that was because they were going for a deliberately uh, comic book appearance. But I think with this one, with with like the current DC movies, for which he has set the tone for most of them, yeah, they're supposed to look gritty and realistic. But the, the CGI just makes them not look like that. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, as you say, this isn't us ragging on Zack Snyder at all, because I think some some of the stuff Zack Snyder does is incredible. I think one of his biggest strengths is just like 
having really beautiful shots, you know, single shots. Yeah. That, you know, every he's very good at making every shot have a purpose. You know, there's a reason the camera is placed here and there's there's a reason yeah. that the direction is set up a certain way. It's not, okay, you guys stand there and speak and we'll just film it here because that way we can have you both in the frame. It's everything is so deliberate with his movies. I think yeah. like I I have uh the shot that always comes to my head is in Batman versus Superman, which mm-hmm. I, I don't really love as a movie or the plot and everything I think is a bit eh, but some of the shots in that are incredible. I think there's a, a an unbelievable shot of Lex Luthor. He's walking into his lab or whatever, and he's walking through like the decontamination area or whatever. And um, it's just his feet like walking on, on this sort of grating. And there's, you know, the big heavy stomps as he steps. And it's just this incredible, like making this, this, you know, normal human man, Lex Luthor, who obviously is smart and everything, but it's, you know, it's Jesse Eisenberg. He's relatively small, frail, you know, pale little boy man, uh, <laughs> making him look like this incredibly ominous figure who could, who could theoretically go up against Superman, you know, who is uh, a god among men. And that shot, I always think is so, such a good shot of just him walking through that, that scene. Um, so I think like there's so many things to Zack Snyder's merit, and I think that could, yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely see a lot of cool stuff in this movie as well. Um, yeah. so I'm just hoping, as you say, we're definitely we have to watch it. So I'd rather it was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, this is a movie that's already happened in the DC universe, so I'm not expecting like certain elements to change. But I'm sort of thinking like the future of the DC movies. There's, there's got to be like a maturation of the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor character because I mean I get sort of the angle they pitched that initially made a lot of sense sort of like as a Mark Zuckerberg uh, psychotic tech bro yeah so, but I, I don't know if you can carry the character that way as a super villain I feel like Lex Luthor sort of as a character grows to have a certain gravitas so i wonder if that going forward is something they're going to try and add as an aspect to the character yeah i would like to see that i think i I would just like to see more stuff from dc i think that's what it comes down to i would just Mm. like to see more movies and i don't know them trying new stuff and not trying to reboot batman and superman every couple of years you know as much as i'm really excited for um todd phillips batman movie i I think that looks incredible uh but i don't want them to make any other batman movies after that unless they're sequels if this movie turns out to be really good or whatever but i don't want them to try and redo batman in two years and then redo the joker again because they i i don't know why there seems to be this idea that that's the only thing that's going to sell you know the the only reason they did a wonder woman sequel is because wonder woman the original was so well received but that I they would have never planned to have done that before, you know. They yeah. DC have an unbelievable slate of characters in their comic books, you know. Some yeah. I would say arguably stronger than some of the Marvel characters, uh, you know, comic yeah. book wise. And they they're just they are wasting them in these movies over and over again. And it's it's such a shame because as much as you can argue that yes, Marvel had a head start on DC in terms of like the connected universe and building the this big massive franchise dc did also have the benefit of 
owning all of their characters. They had, you know, Marvel had very much opened the doors for them to establish, you know, to make comic book movies yeah. a thing that people saw, you know, that like the average person, you didn't have to be a comic book fan to go and see. They had so many other things going for them that mm. using that argument of like, well, Marvel had a head start of for five years or whatever, you know, it's been what, 10 years now since the since what Man of Steel came out, give or take, you know. DC should have done more than that in, in that space of time. Maybe it's not 10 years, but it's it's approaching that. You know, they it's been long enough now that we sort of we deserve better, I think, than some of what DC has been giving us. I think um, I think what's difficult is the level at which you sort of you sort of choose to play those movies. Oh, pretty much once you go past the Batman universe in DC, you're reaching uh, superheroes who are ridiculously powerful. Like, um, sort of Marvel's characters, there's a lot more weaker characters in terms of their levels of power. Yeah, DC um, tend to have more, slightly more fantastical yeah, characters and weirder yeah, characters. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're you know, it's hard to do different types of movies there. Like, I mean, you get a movie sort of in the style of Marvel, sort of like a Captain Marvel movie where she's like pitched as having a way higher power level than most of the characters. But then like, you took a DC on the main Justice League line that you've got five superheroes who are all in the, that, who are all that sort of level. Like, I mean, Martian Manhunter, Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. Uh, Shazam, uh, Green Lantern, <laughs> which, yeah. which makes it harder, and it's like so. You, then you have to do those movies in a different ways, like uh, do a Shazam comedic film. To be fair, I always knew, I know Shazam's always been a bit humorous, um, but then then you, then you sort of have to look at well, do you want do you have to depart them to do a good movie like sort of early on in the Marvel universe? They kept power levels low. Like Thor was purposely depowered early on. Uh, Captain yeah. America is got a decent power level, but it's it's still within the realms of uh, what's human. Uh, yeah, uh, and um, Iron Iron Man has no powers. That's that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Whereas the first like five DC movies, you already had Superman, uh, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Uh, Aquaman, Shazam, who are all very powerful. Yeah, I, I think the the problem is, is sort of just not leaning into that. I think you, sh you should sort of go, okay, this isn't going to be like Marvel then, you know, and we're going to take this straight to the big leagues, you know, we're going to go straight away. Because the other thing is these characters have still existed in comic books for 60, 70, 80 years yeah. now. So but, but, they've, but they've get... fought hard people before, you know, you can you've got stuff to get behind them there but yes i think there there is a problem there of trying to make it i don't know relatable or grounded stories and not trying to yeah. go too crazy but right off the bat so i, I think that is definitely a problem is it does it that is a problem in the dc comics they've had to like reset the universe a few yeah. times already because the par scaling the par creeps absolutely absurd and you get <laughs> where you have to keep raising the stakes so within if you have 20 years of Superman stories, you have to take him to the point where he's eventually got a universe-destroying yeah. levels of power. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, that is true. 
Um, where, where you, I mean, you can get the same thing in Marvel, but it generally tends to be more controlled. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I just want to see more stuff from them and, and see and, them take those crazy steps. Or you know, I, I, I don't think they need to necessarily have a big connected universe. I think just more stuff. You know, I, I think to be fair, there, there is a reason why like Marvel's not introduced, and they will eventually. But I mean, I think there's a reason why they've not introduced characters like Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Uh, and well, obviously, because I mean, <laughs> they, they were uh, off. In the wonderful world of Sonium, whatever, um, or Fox, I can't remember who, but I mean the most, the most powerful Marvel characters have not been anywhere near, um, uh, the the MCU yet. Yeah, and I think that is true. Like to their credit, they've they've held off on both overly powerful heroes and they've held off on using their really powerful villains as well, sort of for that reason. So so they know if they bring in you know, an Adam Warlock or even a Captain Marvel, they've got a Galactus to bring in to combat that, you know, so they've they've got these things established that it's like, okay, we're not going to bring in even Captain Marvel as an example. She only is introduced when we're right into Infinity War and Endgame, you know, like we're right into this is the big leagues now, so yeah. here's some real powerful people. I mean, uh, they're going to have a hard time sort of like managing the the Eternals level of involvement and in, yeah uh the, the MCU because I mean that's bringing in several characters who are all on the same power level as Thanos yeah um so I think it's it is good to to sort of have these separate conflicts going on so you can justifiably be like oh yeah no no they they do this and that's why they can't help out when there's you know a, a random little cat stuck in a tree or whatever you know um. <laughs> have the different people sort of playing it at their at their level um, and but anyway we've dwelled on the justice league for long enough hopefully next week we'll have no justice league news we'll see how we get on we'll definitely um, get mentioned somehow and we're, we're cursed. Off the flash. <laughs> uh, but that does lead into our topic for this week we thought this week we would talk about uh the best and our, our favorite uh, movie soundtracks um i'll put a, a disclaimer right now before we even get into it there there will be some discrepancies here between what constitutes a soundtrack versus like a score or if it's like a musical and there's songs in it or whatever you know there's maybe some i i don't know the, the exact definitions between each of those so if we make a mistake um we don't really care that much mm -hmm. so <laughs> make of that what you will um but yeah some great soundtracks i have a couple of my own favorites and then we have some i would say fan submissions is generous some uh submissions from our friends that we have been told they're fans of the show though so well let, let's let's not involve them in anything we don't want to be <laughs> true we'll we'll not we'll not implicate them too early yeah uh, but we have some <laughs> audience suggestions we'll say that uh as well so Look, do you have any a favorite soundtrack or a soundtrack that you think is really okay, great? I just need to be clear: we're not involving musicals here. Uh, I've I've sort of written that musicals go without saying. You know, uh, sort of. Yeah. It's it would be unfair to include. You know, of course, the music in a musical is going to be good. They are going to have okay. a lot of great songs in them. So, um, musicals. That's that's okay. an episode in itself. I think. Okay, just because I'm sure you'll have gotten 
most of his. I'll try for, till they start with not mentioning any of John Williams' ones. So okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I would say, I think one. There's obviously one big number on it that everyone knows, which makes it great. But I think Pirates of the Caribbean. Ha- yeah, might have the best, might be one of the best soundtracks of the past twenty years. It is, it is definitely a great, especially as you're saying, one of the more recent ones. It's mm-hmm. that's going to be like a a go down in history kind of soundtrack. I think there's yeah. some great songs in that. I I was listening actually to a lot of different movie soundtracks and, and songs from movies. It you know preparing for this and obviously as you say, there's the famous one. He's a pirate, I think it's called. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the Pirates of the Caribbean song. But I, yeah. I was listening through a couple, and there's there's one song I I forget the name, but it's something to do with uh, drinking, you know, drink up me hearties or whatever. Yeah. And I was just unbelievably impressed by the ability to make a song sound drunk and sound <laughs> like it's swaying side to side. You know, there's no singing in the song. It's not like a person singing and sounding like they're drunk or slurring their words or anything. It's just violin and mandolin or whatever it is. And it sounds the the song sounds drunk. And you'll if you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm sure you know what bits I'm talking about. All those little bits where someone is swaying back and forward and they're doing something stupid, or they are, they have been drinking or whatever. Like to to achieve that in a song is so impressive because I think obviously it's established that songs can make you feel things. There's but there's there's so many songs that are make you feel uplifted or they're intense or they're strong and powerful, you know, but to have a song sound drunk and sort of tipsy and silly and woozy, it's like, a, it's a really unique kind of a thing to listen to. So I was just so impressed by that. But yeah, Paris yeah. of the Caribbean is a great one. Yeah, actually interesting. I, I, I can't remember the exact details because it was a while ago I read this, but Captain Jack and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, people assume a sort of a walking style on land is because he's permanently drunk, whereas apparently it's an effect for uh, Yeah, I did. Sailors. I saw this, yeah. Um, the, if to walk in uh, with the, the boat rocking inside to side, yeah. you sort of, you have a, a different real, like, stance. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so um, I can't remember yes. the composer's name. Do you have it there? I do not have it written down. I'm sorry. Um, isn't it's not Hans Zimmer? No. Uh, I don't actually think it is because I think I thought it was Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman, but then it wasn't. Hang on a second. Uh, start. You, of course, you, I'll, I'll pass your pad. first one and um, and uh, I'll look it up. Well, stand along the same lines of what I would call scores. So you know, original music for a film rather than. Uh, you know, exi- putting pre-existing songs into your movie. Uh, a-, a lot of these are just classics. I've got Star Wars, obviously, is just a massive one. You know, um, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Uh, I can just kind of do all of those in one because they're just all incredibly classic and, and famous pieces of music. Um, but I think there there's some great scores in there. Uh, Star Wars is a standout for me um, mm-hmm. as sort of, I think any Star Wars fan, the the soundtrack or the score is always just such an impressive thing it yeah yeah incredibly emotional pieces just i think in, in star wars is the biggest thing that like not star wars would be nothing without the music because it's still you know they're still great but yeah it's it's such a massive part of star wars that it really 
you wouldn't notice how much it adds unless they weren't there and uh even then that translates even into the mandalorian series you know that making the music for that was such a big deal you know there was so much pressure on making a yeah. a sound that was unique but also felt familiar in that star wars kind of universe and i i love the mandalorian soundtrack as well um but yeah there's there's something really special about that i mean the star wars the star wars uh soundtrack takes me back to my childhood like i'll still get chills at the opening notes of i think it's luke's theme it's the one that's like the it's the it's the slower version it's like the yeah like, um, i've not i've not done it too well there but it's, it's sort <laughs> of like the one i think uh i think plays that's sort of like usually the bit at the end of most movies after yeah. something emotional's happened like i think um i think it plays when looks hearing something from uh obi-wan's force ghost at one point it just always gets me a bit because then it starts off so and then it sort of crescendos into the full uh orchestra ensemble it just yeah. always gets me there are there are so many great songs in in star wars i think so many standouts that's one jewel of the fates always you know is a, a big one from phantom menace uh it's hard to not get excited when that plays it, like it makes you want to want to be in a lightsaber duel you know um and oh, part of it coincides within uh the phantom menace when darth maul comes out and he like he yeah, does the yeah. first bit of the lightsaber and then the second bit comes out and everyone's like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah just, there is there is part of it just coincides with that that go so well i mean i'm sure yeah. it was intentional because i mean uh, john williams the man's oh, a genius course, but that's like that's probably the best moment in the first movie is that sort of like well that, i, I that would agree scene, yeah the, the, the duel with darth maul but the bit where it's just like the second half of the lightsaber the, the, comes the out double is, lightsaber light up yeah uh, it's like, like especially if you're moment. if you are any kind of nerd especially but if you love star wars like that is just such a such an iconic scene and it oh yeah it does it gets you so hyped it's just like yeah. this is why i love star wars you know uh seeing that with the music playing it's yeah. like that that just symbolizes everything that's so awesome about star wars um, also let's be honest who hasn't like just when they've been in the house on their own played imperial march at full volume Exactly. Sort of like pretend that they were Darth Vader and felt like a yeah. badass. <laughs> if you want to be threatening, that's how you do it, you know. Um, look, do you, did you find the composer's name for Patch of the Caribbean? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Hans Zimmer was involved. He at least the, in the first movie, he was the producer, and Hans Badelt uh, was the composer. Awesome. This just to give credit to him for his very good work. Excellent, excellent. And um, do you have another soundtrack there? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, the Bird, uh, Birdman's soundtrack. I haven't uh, listened to that soundtrack before. I've seen Birdman, but I, I wouldn't have really thought about the, the soundtrack before. I, well, it's, it's, I wouldn't really say it's need to listen to it. It's just, it is excellent at framing every scene. It's sort of just yeah. a mixture of like drums and symbols and stuff it works really well yeah it's, it's, it's pairing it, to the movie yeah it, 
like there's certain scenes it sort of just helps build that tension really well yeah i mean there's not a lot i can say about it i'm well i th- i feel like if you if you're someone who was like really educated in the movies like sort of it was their job they could probably give you a breakdown analysis of why it works so well in that film yeah, but yeah. All, all i can tell is it just does in a movie that's yeah. sort of based on uh like leading you into the this guy having what amounts to a complete breakdown uh, yeah how it helps uh, no, frame but- that is it so good uh, as you say, you don't always need to be able to explain, you know, uh, I think you said in another episode, you don't need to know why something's cool to know it's cool, you know, if if you knew if you knew why everything that you thought was cool was cool, you'd only think half as many things were cool. <laughs> There's sort of uh, riffing on on a David Mitchell quote there, but um, yeah, you can't, you can't, all, you don't always have to explain why, th- why something works, you know, you'll know it when it works and as you say, when it when it does, it doesn't need to be explained. Yeah, uh, just, I just wanted to check the name, so I got it right. Yes, so Birdman was Antonio Sanchez, and uh, it's it's described as solo jazz percussion and extended segments of classical music, uh, taken cool. from various composers. Uh, just. Uh, I wouldn't listen to it individually, but if yeah. you watch the movie, I feel like you'll understand why it works so well. It is a very good movie, a bit out there, uh, but I really enjoyed it when I watched it a few years ago. Yeah, no, I, I've seen Birdman. I know it's great. I just, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think about that until you said it there about the the music pairing so well with it, but it does, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll move us away from sort of original scores into more, soundtracks with just uh songs you know songs that have been put into movies um my this this is sort of my go-to favorite soundtrack whenever we uh whenever i get asked this question um this was also suggested by a few people but into the spider verse an incredible movie oh, yeah. for one but the soundtrack is just so so good i'm, I'm a big yeah. like hip-hop fan uh, yeah. and there's just some some incredible hip-hop and rap on that album um, yeah. it's one of my favorite albums of all time like without yeah. it even being such a good soundtrack so to have it be an album that I love and it's just a soundtrack to a movie like there's very few soundtracks that I would do that with that I would say no that would that's one of my favorite albums independently of it being part of the film yeah. you know as you say like for Birdman like those songs are incredible but they work with the movie you wouldn't listen to them on their own that's, mm-hmm. I, I would listen to all of those songs regardless of the the film or not. So that's absolutely a top top tier one for me. Yeah, uh, so sort of that's like a bit different in that it's uh, rather than being scored movie, it's a movie that's got um, a a playlist of songs to go with. It, I think one yeah. that's like that. I think the I I'm going to be honest. Sort of Quentin Tarantino soundtracks. I could talk about those all day. They're all brilliant. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I feel like I could for most about Quentin Tarantino as well, but I could talk about them all day. But <laughs> I'm going to pick out. Well, I'll, I'll 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 maybe give myself the luxury of two, but uh, but the one that would match up with this in terms of one that's got an album of songs to go with it is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it's got one of the best uh, soundtracks to any film 
yeah. in the every, everyone knows the the interrogation scene uh where he's stuck in the middle with you by Steelers wheels playing. <laughs> yeah. Um no, I think when it comes to Tarantino, I think the the safe answer or sort of the go-to would be pulp fiction, but I think it that's well deserved as well. Like uh for the soundtrack, just it's 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 synonymous with so many of those songs that you sort of have to give it credit for that. Um, so I think, you know, as much as that is like the the basic safe answer, I think sometimes those sometimes the the most basic answer is the most popular for a reason, like, you know. Yeah. So I think uh, Pulp Fiction is definitely up there for me as well. Yeah, and, and it works because it's not just great songs playing in the background of a, mo- of a movie. It's songs that enhance the scenes they're in. I mean, that Stuck in the Middle with You is not a song you would immediately think of if you wanted to have a torture scene in your movie because, I mean, it's not, it's not like a dark song or anything, but just the way yeah. it's, ju- it's sort of like juxtapositions the casual cruelty of what um, the guy's doing in the film. Yeah, definitely. Makes it work really well. Sorry about this. I know I said that I would give myself a lot of talking about another one. <laughs> it's in terms of Quentin Tarantino films that have been scored rather than sc- soundtracked, The Hateful Eight is actually brilliant. It's, it's what he did for it. Is he got in Ennio Morricone, who I think is now sadly passed away, who's famous for doing the music for The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, you know the... Yeah, uh, well, I, I was just, I that was going to be my next one anyway, I was going to say uh, along the same lines, because that that's obviously is the same, it's the same composer. Um, but yeah, absolute classic. That sort of, it set the, set the tone for so many Westerns, you know? Yeah. So the yeah, hopefully it was like completely new uh, s- s- score by Ennio Morricone, and it just it works so well. It's 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 classic. You can tell it's him because I mean, I mean it doesn't sound the same as um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but you you can tell it's by the same guy. Yeah, and yeah. It just it puts you right in the movie because it, it makes you feel like you're watching a classic western from the from the 60s or whatever yeah definitely um well sort of de- departing from that a little bit these uh, more more along the lines of the other the other tarantino ones i think you you could say many of the marvel films i think have great soundtracks you know all in i think some of the scores are amazing obviously the avengers theme is uh, you know, uh, a theme that when it started, I never would have known what it was, and now I could absolutely ring it off, you know, with, without even thinking. So that's a testament to the. It's, the it's, it's kind of been ruined by all the dumb memes that have like the yeah. bass boosted version. <laughs> yeah, um, but in terms of movie soundtracks, I think you'd be you'd be hard pressed to not mention Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Volume oh, One yeah. and Volume Two, obviously. Um, yeah. Absolute classic soundtracks. Again, same thing of just pairing so well with the film. And also, I, I really like that they have, it has an explanation in the film as to why uh, Peter Quill, you know, these are the only songs he has from Earth and they're all, you know, at, at this point, what, 30 years out of date, uh, yeah. which I, I'd find really funny that he's been in space for all these years with, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 at least, 
with a single tape in a in a Walkman, you know, and that's mm. his that's his education on all of Earth's music, uh, which I I really enjoy that. Um, yeah. But yeah, God, it's just some incredible songs, uh, lots yeah. of just famous songs that were great at the time anyway. But mm. it's nice to have a little bit. You know, there's lots of songs there that I wouldn't have known without the movie, so it's nice yeah. to get a little bit of an education on some some classic songs that I, you might not have known otherwise. I know I've that listened. after I sorry, go ahead. No, it's because I've listened to those two albums so many times, and now to the point where if you just like if you're in a group and you start going ooga shaka ooga shaka, you can get everyone yeah. in with it because everyone's listened to it. Definitely, yeah. I I remember after seeing I think Guardians one. It might have been two, but I think it was after Guardians one. Um, listening to the album and, and singing some of the songs from it, and I remember my my mom being like, "How do you know that song? I love that song," you know, because she hadn't seen the movie yet or whatever. And it was nice, it, you know, that's a nice little thing to be like, "Oh, this this is a song I, I never would have known this song mm-hmm. without having seen that movie," you know. So it's nice to to have that. John, pick a favorite from each awesome mix. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, I can pick from from Awesome Mix Volume Two. I can I can easily pick um, Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra mm-hmm. simply because that well, one, it's it's an amazing song, but also I very much associate that song with uh, me and you, our our extended friend group. Yeah. Um, I I I don't know why if it was a night out we listened to it or if we just all at whatever point agreed that we love that song. Yeah. Um, but we we have that connection with our our friend group and that song so uh that that would definitely be my favorite from two yeah i i i think too i would have to go with um brandy or a fine girl by looking glass yeah i just i love those songs that tell a story and uh, i mean it's really catchy as well as that but it's just so much fun to sing yeah and, um, and the way it, the emotional way that carries in the movie as well definitely uh, yeah, I, I like, again, same as what I was saying, but I like that they incorporate the songs into, like, the story as well. Um, in the first one, I'm definitely going to forget something here and I'm going to be raging. Uh, I'm going to say Come and Get Your Love. Ooh, yes. But I feel like I'm missing something, but <laughs> I'm going to say that for now because it's that's what's in my head. So yeah. um, that's what I, I, I was going to pick that because i love that one as well so i'll go for i know i've already talked about it but hooked on a feeling and yeah that that song it started first scene of the movie and i just knew that scene i'm going to love this movie <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah I, I think those those are just great movies without that as yeah. well but it's it's so nice when a yeah. soundtrack is um just has a lot of purpose behind it and you can tell it's deliberate choices from a director to be like no these are the songs it's for a reason and it's going to make the movie better like that yeah. I, I just really like that it, sort of attention to detail in a sense yeah i'm gonna drop one here and i think you must have it written down i'd be if you've not written it down it's because you've forgotten about it because i know for a fact <laughs> you love it and i don't well i love it this on track this my dad loves it my brother loves it i think everyone who's watched the film loves it baby driver oh yes absolutely uh, i actually didn't have it written down but i um i think i just had it in my head <laughs> to say yeah. but yes that is uh, that is a 
just a great soundtrack as well. It does give me similar vibes to Guardians of the Galaxy in that sense of, uh, you know, it's it's him listening to the music and stuff, and it's all just yeah, really really purposeful, almost choreographed some of the scenes. You yeah. know, uh, that oh. scene where he goes to get the coffee comes to comes to mind, yeah. and it's you know everything is kind of it's almost done to the music. You know, it's almost yeah. like shot to the music. I yeah, like. That. The the car the car chase at the opening moment with the song by Bell Bottoms, um, yeah, it's it 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 does actually feel like it's. It, I don't know how a car chase can be at the same sort of BPM as a song, but however it was, it was. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's absolutely seamless. How great integrated the music into the film. Yeah, I I, I do. I love the BB Driver soundtrack and. Again, it's like th- that mix of both a great soundtrack and also just excellent use of that soundtrack as well. Like just yeah. amplifies it so much. Um, so that's definitely one for me. I'll I'll bring us back to we what we were talking about it earlier, but Shrek Two, famous for having an unbelievable yeah. soundtrack. Um, you're so right. There, you know, some great songs on its own. Uh. Obviously, Shrek One has All Star by Smash Mouth, so yeah. not not excluding that, you know, Shrek One definitely deserves an honorable mention. But Shrek Two just went above and beyond. It was, yeah. uh, I I de- I like to use this phrase a lot, but um, I I get particularly impressed by things that have absolutely no need to hit as hard as they do or to be so good. You know, there Shrek Two. There's no reason that it needed an unbelievably, unbelievably good soundtrack. You know, they, it could have just been completely normal, decent songs, whatever. That's not really what this movie's about. And then for whatever reason, they're like, no, no, we're gonna make this absolutely slap. And I just respect that so much. Um, it's just I, it goes above and beyond. You know, Funky Time by Lip Sync is now. Like- indelibly linked in my mind to uh, far far away De- yeah i'm the exact same you know um, yeah. i can't hear that song and not think of that yeah. i think uh, uh the the version of i need hero as well uh, or holding I, it for a hero sorry i think it absolutely i mean it it honestly it puts bonnie tyler's original to the test you know yeah. uh not to say that bonnie tyler's isn't great but i if I had to pick one to listen to uh, at a party, I don't know. I don't know which one I'd pick. You know, it's yeah. it's hard to match the vibe. So that's to to get a cover that is on par is is really impressive. The simple fact of the matter is the fairy godmother is a bad bitch. Exactly, I mean, the best way possible. That's what it comes down to. She is a queen. Yeah. You know, she may be a godmother, but to me, she is a queen. Um, I love. And it's undeniable. Accidentally in love as well as well i mean it's yeah. just one of my all-time favorite songs i also i just love antonio banderas and eddie murphy singing uh living la vida loca as well yeah. um that's sort of the, the end of the end credits of the movie it's ah oh, it's just so good oh, there's nothing oh. nothing it just doesn't miss that soundtrack does not miss i'll tell you what the, i know we could go on and buy every, every scene in the movie's got a great song if that's true but <laughs> The I can't remember what the song is, but the song that plays when they're smashing up the potion factory is incredible. Oh, like yes. how well it fits with that scene. Yeah. Um oh, I can't think of what it is either. I, I think Shrek 2 is also just a great movie. I mean, as far as the sequels go, that is up there with the the greatest sequels of all time. I think it's yeah. um 
yeah, just just so, such a great movie. Un- yeah. Unironically, like this isn't us saying, oh, because it's from our childhood or whatever is a bit of a joke. That it's a genuinely great movie with a great soundtrack. Those movies hold up because I watched them at Christmas. Absolutely, yeah. I think they're a great Christmas watch. Very easy to watch, but always impressive. Yeah, I've given honourable mention. You know, we already talked about Shrek one, but like Shrek three, the bit where the princesses attack the castle and immigrant song by Led Zeppelin plays is incredible. Immigrant Song, I feel like that's a bit unfair because you could just play Immigrant Song over any movie scene if you want it to be badass, you know? So it is, it's sort of like, uh, it just, covers all sins. <laughs> Led Zeppelin the, covers all sins. But, but it's, it's the it's absolute so U-turn, like the context that the scene does, where it's yeah. just like, I think it's Snow White does the singing and all the birds land on there and then the <laughs> music just switches to Immigrant Song. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, chef's kiss true yeah i mean immigrant song like as i said it does a lot of favors when you want to make a scene look cool but to have it in a shrek movie is just it is it's the icing on the cake really to be like yeah. nah we're we're going all out here just this once um, <laughs> forgive me master <laughs> <laughs> but yeah do you have any other honorable mentions before we move on uh well i just think you got through John Williams, I think you can just spend hours, but I mean, you gotta say, like, Jurassic Park, iconic, yeah. Harry Potter, iconic, uh, and I know earlier mentioned Star Wars. Uh, I think he was Jaws as well. I mean, the man's resume is insane. True. I would, I would say that, like, uh, for my list coming up with these, I was definitely looking more as, like, soundtracks on a, as a whole. Um, but I think, you, you know, we could do another episode about iconic individual songs, you know, individual pieces, like you say, Jurassic yeah. Park, Jaws, all those sorts of things that are just uh, Back to the Future, I think, is one as yeah. well. That is sort of, as well. The, yeah. the man, he's undoubtedly the GOAT. Like, I mean, yeah. there's no comparison. Like, I mean, Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman's all brilliant at what they do. But I, I, I feel like even if you ask them, they would say who's the best of all time. Yeah. They would say I John think Williams. I, I think I sometimes like to say I prefer Hans Zimmer just to be contrarian, but then yeah. once you hear some of those John Williams pieces, you can't. It, it's hard to deny, you know. Um, yeah. I also think absolute credit where it's due. You know, we've done nothing but praise these soundtracks tonight. Yeah. I think there is just some great. I think someone who deserves a mint, two guys who deserve a mention because they also directed their movies as well as scoring them. Alfred Hitchcock and John Carpenter would compose the scores and. Uh, oh wow! I didn't the know orchestra that. for uh, their uh, movies. I think uh, so. Like, their uh, John Carpenter uh, did the Halloween theme, which I think's I, I I can't I can't quite remember exactly how it goes. But I mean, if you heard it, you would uh, know yeah, it. Yeah, it's a very famous uh, piece of music. It's like it's it's kind of like video gamey almost. If you, you sort of know what I mean. Like the yeah. sort of beeping sound. But I mean, I think to have the range of talent to be a world-class director like those two were and to yeah. also <laughs> score your own movies is, it's, it's a level of talent that, you know, I, I, we don't exist. We don't, we're not in the same plane of existence as that level of talent. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I, can, I can even sniff that level of talent. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, look, we do this podcast, you know, yeah, I mean, Alfred Pitt, Alfred Hitchcock of a podcast. 
No. No. He died <laughs> many years before podcasts were a thing. Joke's on exactly. you, Alfred. <laughs> I wrote the themes, the theme for this uh, podcast, you know. So yeah. uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Alfred Hitchcock is one step behind me and it's going to be hard for him to catch up. So... <laughs> Yeah, Alfred like saying, I am better than Alfred Hitchcock. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Alfred Hitchcock never made a fart joke on Spotify. Not even once. Not mm. even once. So I've done it loads of times now. Make of that what you will. I'm not <laughs> saying we're better, but you know, it's the, the parallels draw themselves. Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh that was that was really fun. Um I think there's great soundtracks out there. If you take anything away from this, it's that we will love some music in a movie. Um, but that leads us into our next segment, which is Have You Seen This? Uh, watched a couple of things this week. Um, I'm not going, not by any means going out of the ordinary here, Luke, but have you seen The Office? Uh, I think I'm going to surprise everyone here and say I have not seen The Office. I know I put, think that puts me in. Not, not even the minority of people who like watch TV, just the minority of people generally. Yeah, I, I did not know that you hadn't seen The Office. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm currently, I, I have seen The Office before, but this is my first time watching through the American Office just start to end. Um, I've never, you know, watched watched it all. So uh, I'm, I'm currently just finished season two, starting season three uh, of The American Office. I've watched a lot of the UK Office before. I think it is hilarious, but it is much harder to watch than the American one, I would argue, because it is just so unbelievably cringy that yeah. it, honestly it drives my anxiety up watching the UK office uh, because it's just too real. Uh, but I think it is hilarious. Like that, that's to its credit in a sense because it's yeah. so funny. But the American office is it's such a great watch. Um, I, I hardly even have to recommend it. I'm sure anyone who's listening has probably seen it or at the very least is probably on their list to watch at some point, you know. Uh, but that's that's what I've been watching this week. Very good. Uh, I have, to be honest, I feel, very much feel like uh, I've, I've watched very, very little TV this week, so I'll just go for a historical pick again, something I've watched previously, and say, have you seen Deadliest Warrior? <laughs> I have not seen Deadliest Warrior. Look, what's that about? This is like, okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to be sexist here and draw like, say, man, watch this, woman, watch this. But you know how like there's trash reality television that is more watched by women than men? Is that is that a non-sexist way of saying it? Things like keeping up with the Kardashians and whatever? The yes, the the demographic is more is just yeah. slightly slightly gender uh skewed. Yes, obviously men can watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians wouldn't be my personal choice, but but not because you're yeah, a man, because you have taste. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's because I have eyes and ears. The reason I don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but basically, Deadliest Warrior falls into the demographic of trash history channel filler tv for men it's the fast yes it's, it's the fast food of the tv world it's 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 up there with your like fifty thousand hitler documentaries a week on his like super weapons at uh, yeah ice road truckers 
it's fast food TV that's mainly aimed at men. But I will just caveat by saying that I absolutely love Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> I, is... do, I do love those types of shows as well, to be honest. It's, you know, we we did just roast people who watched Keeping Up With The Kardashians and then instantly eat our words as we both yeah. describe how we love to oh. watch Storage Wars or Duck Dynasty. Feel free to roast me for this. This is, <laughs> this is not high quality TV. But anyway, was, last episode was years ago. It was like early 2010s. But basically, boils down to a really simple concept. Two, war- two warriors from history are pitted up against each other and they try to work out who was the deadliest warrior. Now do you they use that, I actually, I have seen this before. Yeah. Now, the question you think, do they use science to do, to do this? Analyse their tactics and other actual things like that using experts? No. They get their weapons out and use them on mannequins and big carcasses and gel torsos, and it is bloody fantastic. <laughs> so I'll give you an example of an episode. Uh, William Wallace versus Shaq Azuda. They get out oh. a big Scottish guy, give him a claymore sword, and get him to chop like three feck skulls off of bodies, and then say, "Dude, sword was hype as as." A word that you can say on a PG rated podcast. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I love that idea. I, I love the idea of uh, pitting these warriors against each other, especially in the example you've given there two military generals to, to pit them against each other. Arguably, two, two warriors who, while deadly in their own right, won their battles because they had incredible armies behind them. But yeah. I like the idea of, no, 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 let's just see what would happen if you put those two in a ring together. Yeah. Uh, and then the the crowning moment of each episode is they <laughs> they visualise the results given out by their computer in a acted out fight between the two of them, between Amazing. the two competitors that usually ends with the win coming from something really really dumb like in the Teddy Roosevelt versus Lawrence of Arabia fight <laughs> where Teddy Roosevelt grabs Lawrence of Arabia's robes to pull him in and stab him. Wow. Yeah it's, that makes a lot of sense. It is two thousand ten thousand years ago our ancestors had to hunt for food and there's a constant threat of death from every angle. I sit on my ass and watch TV like this. And that is the beauty of what being alive is. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think I think you find the meaning of life, you know, yeah. whether uh whether you meant to or not, I think you've you've got it. Uh just listening to that, I absolutely want to do something along those lines as an episode, a, a Deadliest Warrior-esque yeah. episode, maybe with fictional characters or with uh, I don't know, a, a slightly different theme, maybe. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd love to. I think to, that's, that's a great thing to talk about. I mean, dead, I mean, that stuff is basically inspired. But like, I mean, you would have those arguments with your mates where you just like pick two characters yeah, or whatever, who, and then you'd argue about it. Like, like Jason versus Michael Myers or whatever, or um, like Batman versus Iron Man and stuff like that. Yeah. 
but I like this idea of just it being ridiculous. So uh, I think we'll we'll come up with some kind of way to do an episode along that along those lines because that's really funny to me. Um, but that that just about does it for us uh we'll wrap things up around here pretty long episode actually i really enjoyed talking about that today yeah um this is the crack and banter podcast uh look sorry you're gonna say that i know i didn't i wasn't saying i didn't enjoy i said i i was gonna say i didn't actually realize how much there was to talk about film scores until you got into it i was actually yeah and not like next week or anything but i feel like that's a topic we could revisit down the line definitely yeah i'm sure we can come back to this um That was really kind of way. I really enjoyed that, yeah. Uh, but yes, you can find us on all our social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we have a Reddit now as well. Look, you made a subreddit, which is excellent. Um, you can find us there, Crack and Banter Podcast. You can send us an email, uh, crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. No capitals, no underscores, crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. If you want to send us a, an email, uh, if you have a suggestion or a question you want to ask us, send it through there and we'll see it. Put us um, in your top eight friends in MySpace. Yep. <laughs> Put us in your MySpace. Uh, send us a job application on uh, LinkedIn. Of course, you can send us a, a LinkedIn. Cyberbully us on Vivo. Find us on Vivo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check, check our socials. If you want to follow us, uh, share with a friend. Uh, you can leave us a review um, follow the podcast add it whatever you want to do uh, that would be excellent um, we'll be back next week I don't know what we're going to talk about next week but we'll have something uh, fingers crossed our recording works and all if that all goes well this has been the Crack and Batter podcast Look, you want to close us out? Uh, yes this is Luke Mackay signing off by telling you to eat your fruit and veg and uh, tell your dog that you love it or if you don't have a dog um, tell your favourite inanimate object in your house that you love it excellent thank you very much thanks for listening we'll see you all next week bye bye